we are basically told that we should be happy all the time. Mm. Mm. Delusional, totally mm. delusional. We are, sorry, I'm going to go spiritual here a little bit. So I'm hoping uh, your listeners don't mind. But we are spirit in human form. We mm. are spirit in body. I so we that. are here to experience all spectrums of the human experience so that the universe knows what it's like. Now, for me, it's like breathing. So life is like breathing. So we breathe in. That's lovely. Then we get to a point of tension, which is probably, I don't know, discomfort at work or uh, criticism from a husband or what have you. Tension. Then we breathe out. Then we go out the other way. And then there's tension at the other end. Every time we get to a point of tension, rather than seeing it as something negative, even though it could be painful, don't see it as something negative, just see it as another stepping stone for growth. You are listening to Wellness All Seasons with Mina podcast. I'm your host, Mina Kandar. And today I have a special guest. She is Lou Henwood, Rapid Transformation Therapist, an NLP Master Practitioner, and Intuitive Mentor and Healer. Welcome to Wellness All Seasons, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you, Mina. Thank you for having me on. I do want to name drop the name of my company. I'm called The Singing Zookeeper. Yes, I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to ask me about that. Um, I, lo- I just love the title because many, many years ago when I started to do the transformational work on me, I, the reason I've started to do the work was because I struggled for, with depression from the age of six. So I've really had problems with um, chronic depression all the way through my life. And through my own searching, um, struck on the Buddhist um, idea of the mind monkey. And um, to sort of paraphrase Jamie Cato, I went inside and found there wasn't one monkey. There's a whole menagerie in there. There's a whole flipping zoo. So that's why my name is the singing zookeeper. So I teach people how to tame their inner zoo. Um, but that's yeah, not what we need. We're not we're here to talk about women's wellness, women's um, growth, women's energy. Yeah means vitality because we're all flipping marvelous and we really get a bad a bad, bad deal out of this exactly and when i uh, read about you i found that you are the you fit to my podcast and you will bring uh, your wisdom your expertise in uh, women's well-being because uh, as we talked before uh, you you want to draw uh, all the seasons of uh, being women so you can uh, share your story and all the things that uh, was uh, challenging for you and how you get over these situations and what you can say to women who are stuck in their uh, situations. Okay, so um, I'm one of the lucky ones I've come out the other side of my menopause so I've been through it I know what people are going through when they go through it and it's quite scary every area of 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 
femalehood, particularly in the Western society, is really challenging because we are squeezed and put into boxes. We are expected to look a certain way, behave a certain way, be a good girl, don't be a rebel, don't cause waves, don't, you know, and if you climb the ladder in a business, for instance, you're a ball breaker, you are a, a, a she-devil, you have to be, you, you get demonized in whatever direction you turn in. And for me, women are phenomenally powerful, but we are really trained not to recognize it, not to recognize it. So my job is to teach people how to women, how to step into a life that they design. Because just if I give you an example where um I've, I have a, a client who um, one of her senior partners, she she's one of the um, personnel directors, one of her senior partners um, killed himself. The whole company went into hysteria, got really upset, meltdown. And what she did was she took the whole lot on everybody else's pain. Now, as women, we do that. We rescue mm -hmm. other people. We take on other people's pain. We don't need to. So by the time I'd finished with her about 30 minutes later, she put down everybody else's hysteria about this very tragic issue. But it wasn't her issue and put down everybody else's stuff. And I'd got her focused on the direction she needed to go in so that she could actually cope with this situation. And all of the fallout that she got, because she, there's so much paperwork, there was so much uh, police interviews and all sorts of stuff that she had to deal with. But she could do it cleanly, clearly, feeling safe within herself without being pulled around by all the hysteria and the upset that was going on. And we as women are phenomenally capable of doing that. But we are taught not to we are taught to look after everybody else make sure everybody else is okay make sure that if somebody's hurting we can go and fix them make sure that we are behaving in a certain way so that we don't upset other people that's how we're trained as women yes and we and don't the, to be that way and unfortunately unfortunately we uh we recognize this situation when we get out of uh, this period of uh, being uh, under pressure to follow grow and to do what others ask uh, to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is uh, the experience in your life that pushed you to recognize that now you have uh, power inside you and you can do anything you, you want? And okay. uh, yeah. Very... Um clear turning point for me I'd done years and years and years of searching so I'd seen therapists I'd seen psychotherapists I was struggling with depression uh I'd done all sorts of spiritual practices I've been on retreats I've done course after course after course I moved um when I was 53 excuse me for your listeners who think that when they get to a certain age they can't move forward that's wrong doesn't matter how old you are I agree keep with moving you. forward um <laughs> At the age of 53, I left everything in the UK, moved to the other side of the world, moved into the Philippines. I um, struggled big time when I first got there. But what was happening was I had all the way through my life this need to belong. Desperate, desperate need to belong. So I ended up in the Philippines. I'm not going to belong in the Philippines. I've got white skin and at that point in time, white hair. And I was probably six inches taller than the next man 
you know, down the road and very noticeable. So I didn't mm. belong. So eventually this need for me to belong, I had to put it down mm. because I didn't, no way could I have fitted myself in to the society because I didn't belong in it. And I realized how much freedom that gave me. It was so freeing because I could now start to become myself. Mm. I didn't know who I was, got no so idea. Who I was. Even if, uh, I'm sorry, I interrupt you, but uh, I wanted to ask you, when you were in UK, you, you are belonging to your uh, country, to your family, to your uh, environment? I, I never felt I, I belonged. Oh, it's, uh... In the UK, I felt alien. I felt... Um, outside of everything I really didn't feel yes mm. I could identify with being British yeah. I could identify with being from the Midlands and I can identify with being from Cornwall but I never really feel felt mm. as if I fitted in now I think part of that came from the fact that I was adopted I was given away when I was six weeks old oh. so I actually didn't have any genetic connection to the family mm. that me up but there are a lot of people out there who have exactly the same issues got nothing to do with adoption nothing mm. to do with being given away it can be any sort of traumatic injury as a child um that can put an idea in as a, as a two-year-old child we see something that we don't understand and then we interpret it in the way that a two-year-old can understand it but it's not necessarily correct mm. so when uh, that's part of the work that I do is I will go in and find a root reason for somebody having trauma, having flashbacks, having insecurity, lack of confidence and so on, um, and actually go and find the root. Very gentle. It's all done through hypnosis and take the root out for them so that they can let that go and allow themselves to move forward as an adult rather than being ruled by a two year old or whoever. I'm doing a very short synopsis of, of what I do. But when I was in the Philippines, because I let go of this need to belong, mm. the freedom in me was beautiful because I could be anything I wanted to be, Amazing. anything I wanted to be. Now, bear in mind, I didn't speak the language. I didn't understand the culture. I knew nothing about rice farming, but I set up from scratch the first interactive living museum in the Philippines. It's powerful. Without knowing anything about the industry at all, because I could do what I wanted to do, because I could be who I wanted to be. And <clears throat> when we get rid of our, <clears throat> excuse me, our layers, all the layers that keep us stuck in our. And small, our, to think. And small, small. exactly yeah, that. Smallness. Exactly that. As soon as we can get those layers out, off, all the roots pulled out, and we you, become, you became creative. Yeah. Powerful, creative, joyful. It was such a joyful time. It was beautiful. I even did presentations to um, economic chancellors of all of the governments across South um, South Pacific. You know, yeah. I never thought I'd be talking to politicians. I came out of school with two O levels, really low, you know, no qualifications at all. But I stood there totally and utterly in my own centre. Confident. Totally confident, yeah, in Talking to these, you know, heads of government, don't care. I don't care what level you're at. I'm fine. And it doesn't matter how old we get. We can still continue to grow. Yeah. We reach to your self-awareness. You were aware about what you can bring as uh, uh, added value to this community. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it was also my focus as well, because my focus, if I'd have focused on, I came out of school with no qualifications, didn't speak the language, didn't understand the culture, knew nothing about rice farming, I would never have got it done. But my focus was on bringing the Filipino culture to the tourists who came into the area and to actually enable people in that area who were very, very poor to have another opportunity to have an income. That's where my focus was. It wasn't on what I couldn't do. Mm. And a lot of us get held back by what we can't do. We get so fixated on what we can't do. Um, And I don't know, I don't want to be um, sexist or weightist, but you know people who've gone on to diets and they yo-yo diet and they go back on another one and another one and another one. Yeah, I know. The reason, it's because the focus is in the wrong place. Yeah. So the idea comes in, okay, I'm too fat. So the focus is on I'm too fat. So Mm. I'm going to go on a diet because I'm too fat. Okay, so the focus is constantly over there. This Mm. is going to win every time and pull you back. But if you can, I've got too much weight on me. I'm going to go on a diet because I want to go and swim the channel. I want to do a three peak climb. Mm. I want to be able to run up the stairs without. And you said your why. Why you are doing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it puts your focus in the direction that you want to go. So this can't pull you back. It'll limp along behind you slowly. If you look at this as an egoic state, it'll limp along behind you. But if you're totally focused on where you want to go and the meh, 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 that goes on from here, meh, which it will, <laughs> and you just ignore it, it, it gets you to where you want to get to. And this chattering of the mind the negative stuff it throws at you oh you're not good enough oh no you shouldn't do that oh what are people gonna think you know the noise it makes Mm. all that is actually is a protective mechanism that's all it is the egoic state just wants to keep you safe and it will do anything it likes to make sure that you don't move forward it doesn't want you to move forward into a place Mm. that it doesn't understand so It'll throw nastiness at you, which we believe is true. Eh, It's not true. All it's trying to do is get our attention. But if it was whispering sweet nothings in your ear saying, oh, well, I'm not sure, or I'm being really sweet, we wouldn't take any notice of it. So it has to be quite vicious. It has to be quite sharp so that we take some notice of it. So my job is to teach people how to... Firstly, tame their inner critic. Secondly, to move forwards and through the negative aspect that they have about themselves, because it's not true. It's stuff that we've taken on as children and design a life that they want. Yes. And it's now that our brain wants to keep us safe. So that's why we have all these uh, beliefs and uh, to stay safe and not to do any adventure and change uh, most totally totally because the ego if it knows i i describe the ego as a as a a man a blind man who lives in a house okay and again i'm probably going to get into trouble for that as well but i mean no offense to anybody who's blind 
<laughs> but you've got a blind man who lives in the house. So that's the ego. And mm -hmm. if you go outside, he's going to freak because he can't get you. He can't see you. He doesn't know how to get hold of you. He doesn't know how or where you've gone. So he's going to throw a paddy because you've gone outside in the garden. But actually, if you coax him and train him, he can go out in the garden as well because you mm -hmm. teach him how to do it. But we need to be the master of this rather than this be the master of us. And most of us have it the wrong way round, whereas our mind is our master and it needs to be the other way round. We are the master of our mind. Think mm. about it as a puppy dog or a blind man in his house. If you move a settee, OK, or a couch, he's going to get cross with you. But eventually he will get used to the fact that you've moved the settee and got him a better one. Mm. So um, it's all about training the mind and not being governed by the thoughts the negativity that goes on within us and it's moving through them instead what do you think about uh, some circumstances that uh, push the person to stay stuck and uh, have this kind of uh, belief that uh, uh, keep uh, the person uh, in her uh, okay. safe place that's usually will have come from some form of trauma uh, as a child and actually you can have something incredibly innocent happen to you but as a child it's traumatic so if I give you the example of Johnny I always give give Johnny the example if you've got little Johnny who's downstairs and he's two and he's turn turn the radio on he, he loves this piece of music he's got the music going and he's giving it large and he's loving it and he's absolutely blissed out at one with everything and just joyful and his mom comes downstairs Will you sit down and shut up? <laughs> Poor old Johnny is knocked, totally knocked out of his reverie because he's in joy mm. and he's been knocked out of his joyfulness. That's very painful. So he, as a little boy, is going to go, he can't work out that mommy has got, I don't know, a deadline or Auntie Maud's just died or something. He can't work out that mommy needs quiet. So he blames himself. So there's something wrong with little Johnny. So this aspect of little Johnny who's dancing and blissful and joyful is wrong. That's what caused the problem. So he will snip that part of himself off. Now, what happens is that part of him will stay floating around, looking out for the same issue just in case it's going to happen again. So Johnny, when he's 15, goes off to the school dance. Piece of music comes on that Johnny loves yeah, I'm going to get up and dance. This little kid is going to go, no, don't do that. Your legs are too long. Your blazer's the wrong colour. The boys are going to beat you up. Now, so he will stop Johnny from dancing because it's the same um, trigger. It's the same thing. The, the bad news is we don't just have one trigger. We've got hundreds of these no. little parts of us that float around, constantly looking out to see where the danger might be. Now, for me when I'm working with a client and I can do it in groups as well is we will go in and we will find the original wounds. And it's so gentle. It is so gentle and just let those little parts of you or us, the ones that have been working so hard to keep us safe, they're tired, yeah. they go home. So I teach people how to release them and let those parts go back to heaven or back into your heart or being held by you, however you want to. It's personal to every individual. 
So it's interesting. Uh, could you share some uh, tools, something uh, that help uh, your clients to heal from their trauma of uh, uh, this kind of? Okay. Um, right. I'm just, my brain's gone. I've got thousands of them. Okay. So <laughs> firstly, um, I'm going to give you a little, an NLP hack. Mm. Okay. So if don't go, all right. And this is for, for you and everybody who's listening. If you've got on a scale of one to 10, number one is lighting a match. And then number 10 is burning the house down. Please go for something that's about one, two or three, because there's nobody there to catch you. But it's a nice little trick to, to try. So have a think about something that you maybe been procrastinating about that you want to that you keep putting off. OK, shut your eyes and feel where the resistance is in your body. Because you will you will find some tension somewhere in mm. your body. OK, take your attention to that part of you and then put it out in front of you have a conversation with it now I know this sounds absolutely bonkers but if you're going to get well let's do it having some fun okay so have a conversation with it what is it that you're fearful of just so if you can imagine it put it in uh, in your mind that you've got like a little fluffy thing or a little obstacle with a pair of eyes okay what is it that you're fearful of and just be quiet and listen because actually the tension the fear that inside our bodies is only the egoic state trying to get our attention but we don't take any notice of what's underneath it. What is the message it's trying to send us? So sit and have a conversation with it and ask questions. OK, so why is that? What's the worst consequence that could happen? OK, if the worst consequence happens, can we cope with it? And have a frank conversation as if you were having a frank conversation with a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a 12-year-old who's freaking about exams or what have you. Have a frank conversation with it because the chances are the end result that is the fear, don't know what it is, we can handle perfectly well. But because we haven't processed it from conception through to completion, there's a bit in the middle that's gone, hmm scary don't know what it is mm -hmm. so you're showing that part of your subconscious the end result so the other thing is uh we could try another one um if you are again let's use procrastination because it's easy okay it's just mm -hmm. an easy one to, to do as a model so if you're at this point and you're uh wanting to get to that point okay and you've got to go step 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 to get to here and this is just like overload, overthinking, worry, and so on. What you need to do is just train your subconscious to take itself through the steps. So again, you shut your eyes, you have your eye on the, the end goal, and then you walk yourself, Don't not in detail, don't go into detail. You just literally walk yourself through to the point where, say, for instance, you've got to deliver a, um, a presentation at work and it's... I've got all the preparation to do and I don't want to do any of it because it all hurts. So you imagine yourself, I've done the preparation, I've done this, I've turned up at the, the office, I've got the 
whiteboard out and I'm ready and I've done the presentation. And then what you do is you walk past it in your imagination and you turn around and look back. And you look back at you doing the presentation. Mm. Now, this is the weird bit. Now you turn your back on you. So your, your you doing the presentation is behind you. And you walk backwards through the path that you've just taken. Am I making sense? Yes. And uh, okay. yeah. then when you get back to the to square one, check in with the procrastination again, because mm. I can guarantee it will have gone from here to here, if not gone altogether. It's interesting uh, as a topic, maybe I will uh, do another episode about procrastination. But I, what I uh, wanted to know, draw your experience is because you you were talking about your uh, experience in Philippines and you came back to UK. And this is interesting because uh, you... Um, you you leave your um, experience as uh, something beautiful uh, and not um, uh, make you stuck. For example, if it was not working in UK, you move it to Philippines. After when you did your experience in Philippines, you went back to UK. And this mentioned that within you there is power and uh, it push you to experience many things in your life. What about women who uh, are struggling in their, throughout their lives? For example, um, uh, many uh, interviews with guests, I understood that uh, uh, unfortunately for women, all the time there is there are challenges, for example, in professional career or when she get married, have kids, she gained weight after uh, there are a lot of uh, challenges with the family life, work life, etc. And they are not able to have this mindset to keep going, to take care of themselves and to transform their lives from uh, stagnation or sadness to uh, be happy and uh, enjoy their lives so what is your secret your <laughs> your tools okay i think um again i think this is western we are basically told that we should be happy all the time mm. delusional totally mm. delusional we are, sorry, I'm going to go spiritual here a little bit, so I'm hoping uh, your listeners don't mind, but we are spirit in human form. We mm. are spirit in body. I so we that. are here to experience all spectrums of the human experience so that the universe knows what it's like. Now, for me, it's like breathing. So life is like breathing. So we breathe in. That's lovely. Then we get to a point of tension, which is probably, I don't know, discomfort at work or uh, criticism from a husband or what have you. Tension. Then we breathe out. Then we go out the other way. And then there's tension at the other end. Every time we get to a point of tension, rather than seeing it as something negative, even though it could be painful, don't see it as something negative. Just see it as another stepping stone for growth. Great. Another stepping stone for growth. Because it could be, um, for instance, I had a client of mine um, who is getting really distressed because her husband's incredibly dismissive, 
critical and has been for years and years and years. And she's quite depressed. She works very hard. And she said, I go in, go into the home and I go and go and give him a kiss. And sometimes he gives me a kiss and sometimes he doesn't. And that hurts me and so on. The first thing is don't go in and give him a kiss. You change the state. You change. So if this pattern keeps going in the same way every evening when she gets back from work, change the pattern, change Mm. the pattern, just totally and utterly change the pattern. Um, I sometimes with younger clients say about look at it as a computer game you know that people are going to behave in this way because they always do so you change see what else works it doesn't make you wrong it just means that you're going to play the game in a different way because that's what we do here we play games Mm, so you're here um mina okay you're doing I'm doing Lou. That tree outside my window is doing the tree, and the gardener in the back is doing the gardener. So we all play our roles. So we need to learn how to navigate through life, but without the the illusion that we've got to be happy all of the time. It's not possible. Mm. But we can be peaceful. Even if we're unhappy, there is a place within each and every one of us that is still, that is quiet that is warm that is safe it and, never ever leaves us and uh, this is is not for everyone to be peaceful to feel peaceful because we found uh, some uh, people are naturally peaceful yeah and others they are the opposite no okay that place of peace is within each and every one of us without exception Mm. the issue is depending on how we were brought up Mm. depends on whether we feel that we deserve that peace okay it's got nothing to do with us as as the person Mm. but it's the thoughts and the behaviors that we've been instilled with so for me my um deepest wound are not wanted I don't exist so for me to go and find peace no I don't deserve that okay Mm -hmm. I do I have peace does that make sense but these are the obstacles that were in the way I don't deserve it I'm not wanted I'm not worthy Um, I'm not good enough all of those things stopped me from getting to that place of peace those are the parts of you Um, when I'm saying you, I'm being general, okay, that needs to be addressed, to Mm. be loved, to be nurtured. And self-love for some of us is really difficult to do, but that's where it comes from. It comes from love. So to go in and find that little part of you that, um, for instance, me at six weeks old when I was given away, it's taken a lot of work for me to go and find that tiny part of me that was so distressed um, because how was how was uh, your experience with yourself and with uh, your environment in the period when there were a lot of negativity, as you have mentioned? Depression. Yeah, it's chronic hard. depression. Yeah, mm. chronic depression. Uh, no joie de vivre. No, I really didn't think I could do anything. But it was the Philippines that shifted this. It was the Philippines mm. because of this. I don't belong here. And wow, Mm. this is freedom that shifted it because I realized actually I am full of vitality. I've got so much to offer. Um, And because I was outside of my culture, I was accepted as somebody who'd got lots to offer and lots of energy and lots of 
creativity. I was accepted that way. But they weren't saying, oh, you've got to be Filipino. Whereas in the UK, no, you've got to be English. You've got to be, you know, behave this way and that way. And when I came back to the UK, I found my depression came back. Mm. Oh, it's because uh... I was the natural response for me was to put all the old stuff Again. of trying to belong, trying to fit in. And then the penny dropped. I thought, okay, well, if I was good over there, what's the difference here? So I reverse engineered it. And when I'd sussed it out, it was all in hindsight. When I'd sussed it out, I thought, aha, other people need to know about this. Other people need to have this opportunity to free themselves as well. So I went off and did my training. Yeah, and uh, how did you get out of depression when you came back to UK? NLP. Ah, it's Firstly, I reverse engineered it. I, yeah. I sat back and watched. I said, okay, so what's the difference between the Philippines, which is all and UK. good, and the UK? What's the difference between the two? And it took a lot to actually work it out because I wasn't coming from the right thinking pattern. But eventually it was this belonging aspect of it. Um, and then when the penny dropped that I didn't need to belong in the UK either. I could be exactly who I wanted to be in the UK. And everybody else, if they didn't like it, was their problem, not my problem. And the, the, we I will are... tell you just a moment because it's interesting. Right. I'm in Paris, you are in UK, you did your experience in the Philippines. And Wellness All Seasons is uh, global. So it's interesting to know what is going in every place. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely. Amazing. It's amazing. Absolutely. This is... The, the thing is, I feel that this is purely personal, okay, mm. but I really do feel people grow once they step outside of their culture for a period of time because you you um, have to let go of some of your um, self-imposed ideas. When I was over there initially, I was struggling because they weren't doing things in the way that I expected them to do. They should mm. do it this way and they should do it that way and they... Of course, they didn't. It's a different culture. It doesn't yeah. work. You have to adapt yourself to the, to the new environment, to the new culture. Yeah. Mm. I had to let a lot of stuff go. Yeah. And what was, do you remember the first thing that pushed you to to think that now it's not UK, it's Philippines, and I have to behave uh, differently and uh, get out of all your beliefs of... Uh, it, it was just the, the marked contrast between feeling good and feeling really depressed. It was like, OK, mm. this isn't right. I felt good for a long time. And then when I realized it was because I was trying to get back into fitting in, mm. trying to fit back into the English culture to, you know, I was applying for jobs and you've got to have degrees for jobs. And I'm of oh. an age where I wasn't of interest to anybody. Experience. Um, yeah. So I got all of that excruciating feeling coming back. But then I started to work it through and realized it was self-love. It all came from self-love. And self-love, you can't get it from the outside. You can't give it to me. It's you know, awesome. the husband or the boyfriend or the girlfriend can't give it to me. It's got to come from you. Yeah. So I started to unpick how to actually bring self-love into my life. 
And once I'd opened that up and realized it, that was the point where it's like, okay, I understand it. And I saw where the blocks were as well. This unworthiness, I'm not wanted, I'm not needed, I'm no good, I'm uh, not good enough, all stem from my adoption wounds, which I'd known for a long, long time. Mm. But when I was trained as an NLP master practitioner, um, Kathleen Laval, who I adore, She's a little, little mini, mini round person. She's lovely. She'll hate me for saying that. She took me up on stage one of the days because I called out uh, a question. And um, I she she was flippant with me. And I really reacted quite strongly because, again, it's a dismissal. Anything that's dismissive towards me, I find used to find really difficult. Not now. So she took me up on stage and she took me through um, uh, an NLP practice, which I do with some of my clients. And what transpired was what actually came up because our subconscious knows what it wants to get rid of. But we block it. But our subconscious knows exactly. Our body knows what it wants to free itself of. But our ego says, no, 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 can't because it's not safe. So I'm sitting there in front of 400 people. And what transpired was that my I got three rats. They weren't my rats. They were my brother's rats in a cage in front of my um, cot. I was about 18 months, two years old. And these rats were my friends. And my brother came into the bedroom screaming and shouting and crying. And my mother came into the bedroom and she was very calm and elegant and what have. And I didn't know what was going on. I'm in my cot. Mm. Didn't know what was going on. Distressed as well, because it was obviously a fight. But I didn't know, didn't understand. I didn't have the mind to understand mm. it. And from nowhere, two young guys came in and picked up this rat's cage and took it away. And for me, that was devastating because they were my friends. But nobody came in and comforted me. It was mom and my brother at loggerheads, not realizing the distress that had been caused on me. And I was absolutely convinced from that point onwards that if I didn't behave myself all of the time, the same thing would happen to me. I'd go the place that the rats went. So our little minds make up stuff mm. because nobody's there to hold us. And as a parent, don't start to beat yourself up because it is impossible to be with your child 100 percent of the time when they need mm. you. And if we brought up a child perfectly, they wouldn't cope in the world because the world's not perfect. Sure. So, so we end up with these um, these inbuilt subconscious things that are whirling around in the background that we don't understand what they are but this subconscious knows what it is it wants to let it out it wants to let it go the body wants to let it out let it go yeah so how you free yourself from these things well that was the first one um the difference in me when um Kathleen did this NLP with me um she did a, a specific exercise which I can't go through here um but uh, she freed me from this memory. This memory just dropped in my head. The subconscious just went, here, have that memory. There it is. There it is. And it was as clear as it was happening now. So she went through that. And the difference I noticed over the next sort of three or four weeks was mind blowing, mind blowing, because I used to constantly not even be aware of it, that I was looking over my shoulder to see who was going to tell me off, where the trouble was going to come from. And even at, how old would I have been? Uh, 58. 
So all, through 58 years or 56 mm. years, I've been looking over my shoulder, waiting to be told off by somebody, to be criticized by somebody, to be put down by somebody. And Kathleen lifted it. Didn't mm. feel that way at all after that. Um, and then I went on and did quite a lot of other training. I worked with, uh, did some training with William Whitecloud. I did some training with Chris Duncan. I've done training for um, Daniel Raphael and Dreamporting. I'm one of his Dreamporting masters and I, I do uh, masterclasses with him. Um, but it's a constant process. We think that there's an end goal. No, this is it. Yeah. This is it. It's constant unfolding, 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 letting it go, letting it go, letting it go. Oh, there's another one that hurts. OK, let's examine that. Let's have a look at that. Let's be caring. Let's love. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what is the best practice for you to let go that help you to let go in your daily life? Meditation and inner dialogue. Yeah. I do the two together, meditation and inner dialogue, mm. where I will go and bring, um, uh, basically bring bring light into my heart. And I quite often bring um, uh, Jesus in or guardian angel in or, but you don't need to do that. If you're mm. not spiritual, it doesn't make any difference. You still can sit in your heart center and bring sunlight in. Okay. Mm. And then any resistance or fears that I can feel coming up, then I will literally have an inner dialogue with them. Um, and the other thing that I find magnificent is breathwork. Breathwork is just beautiful for releasing trauma mm. without even having to address it. It's mm. gorgeous. Um, and the other, my best love is being in nature. So if I'm mm. really, really distressed about the connection with nature is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I will go out and walk. I will hug trees. Mm. I will hug trees because we need connection. Um, and I'm quite often, you know, I'm in my house and I see people in a 2D situation, but mm. I'll get out into nature and hug a tree if I'm feeling a bit like, oh, yeah, it's powerful because I uh, I uh, read a book about the power of uh, trees. When you hug healthy trees, it gives you force, strength. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it's uh, so powerful, but uh, it's not with any trees. It uh, it should look uh, healthy trees, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's uh... the other thing that's happening there as well is because we're, we're all energy, okay? Mm. You're also, we don't earth ourselves as much as we used to as the primal man. So it's really important for, for negative energy that's running around in our system and it builds up every day and we need to discharge it every day. Mm. So one is hugging a tree or touching rocks or what have you to earth, literally earth that stuff. The other thing that I thought was potty, but I, I tried it and it works, Put your feet in salt water before you yeah. go to bed. Yes, and also walking on earth without yes. uh, bare feet. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So to earth yourself is really it, it, your nervous system calms down. And I guarantee anybody who is feeling sort of stressed out or or highly wired, if you get outside, literally take your shoes and socks off and put bare feet onto the earth, you will feel your system calming down or hug a tree. You will feel your system calming down. And there's an energetic and electronic electrical reason for it. So whether you think it's woo or not, actually the science backs it up. 
Yeah, yeah, I can feel because uh, I already read some books and I experienced it. For example, uh, going uh, walking uh, without shoes on earth and also uh, in the beach, uh, we we feel that we are energized and we feel great when we uh, we are connected with nature. Absolutely, absolutely. We're animals. We are nature's beings. Yes, and because uh, this big nog in here has told us to forget that, and it's we need to remember it, and we need to remember to look after the earth that looks after us. Yeah, imagine when you go for a walk without a phone, without anything, and you just walk and listen to your uh, foot, and uh, it's a powerful. It brings you. Uh, uh, serenity and uh, stillness so yeah it's uh, helped to heal uh, from uh, daily stress <laughs> absolutely beautiful I do that when I'm running retreats I've got one coming up in September and we do a beautiful exercise where you it's a meditation where you go into innocence where you shed everything about you you shed all of your identity and mm. then you go out into nature as if you've never seen it before and it is so beautiful people start to realize things that they didn't realize before one lady uh, came back in to the retreat she's very uptight very um lovely lady but very uptight and a bit anxious a bit worried and she'd sat outside on a beam and there was a kid a child running along the beam and all of a sudden she remembered her mother would not have let her do that. So this lady, after the little girl had got off the beam, got up and walked along the beam. And I can feel the, feel the tears, actually. She came back into the room crying. She said, I can't believe I did that. It was so beautiful. Because we forget how much restriction we put on ourselves. Mm. I did the same exercise with another lady where you have to pick things that are appealing to you as a child. You're seeing it through a child's eyes. So you come in with leaves and this. And this lady came in with all sorts of stuff. And she said, I realized again, my mother would have constantly been telling me, don't touch that. Put that down. No, put that away. You can't have it. So it's all this sort of stuff comes up when we let go of our layers. And it's beautiful. It's mm. beautiful because we are each and every one of us beautiful. Yeah. And I think uh, we, some, we sometimes we recognize all these things later in our uh, not um, after many years. And mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, this is why sharing knowledge, sharing experiences can help others to recognize early in their lives that there are things that they can do to empower them in, the, in their daily lives instead of uh, uh, suffering and waiting until uh, 50 or 60 years later to understand that uh, <laughs> Absolutely. But also when you're 50 or 60, you can still do the work. Exactly. It's not the end. We can no. continue. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I've worked with people who are 70s, 80s, and they're still releasing stuff. And they're so grateful. It's like, oh, why didn't I know this 20 years ago? Yeah, this is the problem. Uh, we uh, That's why spreading awareness and help people understand that there are things that can help them to heal early instead of suffering uh, many years. Because uh, last time I did an interview with uh, a guest and she was suffering silently during 20 years from uh, abuse, sexual abuse. So you see 20 years suffering 
It's mm -mm. horrible. That's why when we are aware of things and we can uh, do something to help us to go out of this situation, we can yeah. grow without uh, trauma. That's why Absolutely. sharing, talking, empowering mm -hmm. others uh, is uh, powerful. Mina, can I do a plug? Yeah. Good. Because <laughs> in the middle of October, I'm running a 12-week program. So it's hybrid. It's online and it's live. And it is called Step Into the Future That You Design. Thank you for sharing this information. And uh, I will put your uh, website on, on the show notes. Thank, Thank you, you so Mina. Much. Thank you so much. And I'm definitely coming to Paris soon. You are welcome. Uh, we will meet together. <laughs> <laughs> definitely it will be great so thank you so much for being my guest and it was amazing to talk to you today and to learn from you and uh, i'm sure that my listener will uh, do some experience about all what you have uh, mentioned uh, in our conversation beautiful thank you mina for having me on and i'm, I'm hoping that uh it's inspired some people who are feeling stuck to move forward. I'm sure. Yay, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you like this episode, share it and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast. This will help to spread awareness and empower others. Don't forget to subscribe to Wellness All Seasons with Mina Podcast for new episodes every Tuesday. And if you have a story and wanted to share it, please book a call with me at calendly.com slash wellness all seasons. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned. I will see you in the next episode.